And so I have a question for you. Have you ever really begun to question if God was there? Like there was just a part of your life where it just seems like you're alone. Like you're, you're facing circumstances, you're, you're, you're in chaos and you kind of just look up to heaven and you're like, are you even there? Like, am I just talking to the ceiling and the wall or are you here? And if you're here, do you care about what's happening? Because this is hard and what I'm going through is hard and you feel overwhelmed and you've lost sight of where you are. Maybe for some of us in the room, that's your life as you walked in here this morning. You just kind of are wondering like, hey, God, are you even there? Because I don't know where I am in this world. I don't know where I am in my mental health or in my emotional state. I just have lost sight and I'm wondering if you're really there. What happens for you and I is when we get lost, when we feel overwhelmed and when we hit chaos in our life, we need to have landmarks in our life to get us back to where we need to be. We need to have like a a way to find our position, a way to find where we are. And so we can start heading back in the right direction. And what I want us to see today is not every crisis that you go through needs to blind you. It can actually help you get to exactly where you need to be. So a couple years ago, we were in Berlin. I had this really great opportunity to lead teams all over the world, and I was leading a team of students to Berlin. We were doing a Reformation tour uh, where we were following the beginnings of the Protestant Reformation. And so we were in Berlin, and uh, if you've ever been to Berlin, there's this really huge tower in the city, in this city called Alexander, part of the city called Alexander Plotz. Can you pull up that picture real quick? That is the tower. Now, if you look at that picture, just to the left, there's hotels, there's, there's apartments and shopping, but there's, that's a five-story building, six-story building just next to it. So you're kind of getting the scale of this tower. It's huge. In fact, you can see the tower from every kind of part of the city. It is so tall. Even in that picture, it's not fully in the picture. It's a communications tower. It actually sends out TV signals, but it's a famous part of the city now. And we were staying right next to the tower. Our hotel that we had the students in was right there. And so I I started to talk to the students and I said, listen, I'm going to take you to some places today, but if you get lost, you need to head back towards the tower. If you can find the tower and if you see the tower, everything that you need is there. Everything that we, we, if you're lost, I'm going back to the tower. We'll find you and we'll meet up there. And so I have a little like Google earth. We're going to go on a little journey today. Go ahead and play the video. So this is the Brandenburg Gate, uh, probably one of the most uh, famous sites, but let's go on a tour. So if you look right here, uh, that's actually the U.S. Embassy. If you see that American flag, that's where our embassy is. And then as you continue on, you're kind of like turning around. These are all government buildings for Germany, and this is, uh, this is what's going on. But if you look, everyone see that crane? If you look just south of the crane where the mouse is moving over right now, that is the tower. We're probably... Five to, I'd say five miles away from the tower at that point, and it's very easily visible. And so what I did is when we got to the Brandenburg Gate, we kind of stood exactly where this video was taken, and I turned everyone around, and I said, remember, I talked to you guys about the tower. If you get lost today, you need to head back to the tower. Everyone look in that direction. That's where we're headed if we get lost. And we're making our way back there today. 
Well, where we find ourselves in the Bible, we're continuing in the book of Exodus where Israel, they're in some chaos. They're, they're actually, Israel always seems to be in chaos, okay? Like if we're honest, like they're always having a hard time. They have very short memories and they, they seem to freak out a lot. Maybe that's like you in this life. Well, where we are in the story is Israel has now made it out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've been walking for a couple of weeks and they're going to end up in this area called Rephidim. That word literally means rest. So God is leading Israel to this place of rest. But where we open the story up in Exodus chapter 17, we're going to see some things happen and a little bit of chaos ensue in the life of Israel. Exodus 17, verse one, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. There's no analogy here. It's just the name of the place. Okay. So everyone's like, oh yeah, this means something more spiritual. It doesn't. Okay. It's just called the desert of sin. So they leave this area and they're traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Remember capital L O R D is Yahweh. That's the name that we studied last week. Anytime you see all capital letters in your English Bible of Lord, the Bible is saying Yahweh. God is reminding and talking to us about who he is. They camped at Rephidim. This is an area near Mount Sinai that literally means rest. But there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. They kind of like, sometimes it's great to be the leader and sometimes it's not so great to be the leader. And so everyone starts arguing and everyone who has a problem, like I'm thirsty, like Moses, can you do something? Moses is like, I can't do something. Okay. God led us to this place. We're going to need to have some faith here. I can't make water appear. And so they start quarreling and Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? And then he says this, why do you put the Lord to test. But the people were thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Dramatic. Why did you, I mean, come on, man. Why would you even show up here? I mean, at least we had water in Egypt. Like, why would you lead us out of here? Moses, like, Come on, man, we're going to die. We're going to like, we're thirsty. Moses has an answer. Then Moses cried out to the Lord and he asked the question we'd all be asking, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. They're thirsty. They're hangry, right? Like they're upset. But I need you to understand something. In the story of where we are in the Bible, it's been about three weeks since Israel parted through the Red Sea, like three weeks. Can I just tell you some things that happened during those three weeks that would go, man, you guys really do have some short-term memory problems. In the past three weeks, this is what Israel has seen. They've been freed. They just saw the 10 plagues. They just saw God work in a miraculous way. I had a hair on me, right? Then a sea is split. God feeds them from heaven and rains down manna and quail. It's the first Instacart. Okay. It's the first time. Like I just like God orders the groceries and they're delivered in the morning and every morning they wake up and everything that they need is outside their door. 
Not only that, God made water in a place where there was not good water. They got to one place where they were camping, and the Bible says that the water tasted bitter. There's probably sulfur or something in the water, and God tells Moses, hey, look, throw this piece of wood in the water, and the water will be drinkable. This was in the last three weeks. Not only that, God guides them by night as a pillar of fire, the eternal nightlight, right? Like you're not going to get lost here. There's a pillar of fire coming down. And so you don't get lost during the day. There's a cloud of his presence going before you. This is in the past three weeks. So I'm going to ask them and I'm going to ask of us the same question. And the question is this, do you trust that God has you? In this room right now, do you trust that God has you? A lot of us believe if we just saw all of these miracles of God and we saw all of these things that we would not face any more crisis, but if we're anything like Israel, and let me tell you we are, it doesn't matter how many miracles are in the past, a lot of us have short-term memory problems. You know what's crazy about this is is Israel is in this place and, and It's not even like you can blame short-term memory loss because this morning on this day where there is no water, it rained manna and quail from heaven that morning. That morning, they walked outside of their tents and there was bread. We don't know what manna was. It's described as bread. Bread on the ground waiting for them to pick it up when they woke up this morning. But all of a sudden, they lose sight of, like, where's God? Moses, did you bring us out of Egypt so we could die thirsty? This doesn't seem like a very restful place. But God always provides in the restful place. God always brings provision in the restful place. God is going to show Israel that they need to rest in him and his provision. And so let me ask you in here, do you have a short-term memory crisis in your faith? I mean, you woke up this morning, there was breath and air in the world, and you, you took a breath and your lungs worked, and your heart worked, and your brain worked. So what happens for a lot of us is we start to get used to how God moves in our life, and then we stop seeing the hand of God move in our life. And so what happens in the story is in verse five, the Bible opens up about what God is going to do. Now, I want you to remember something. One of the issues that they faced in these past three weeks is one place that they did go had bad water. So they've dealt with water crisis before, right? Anybody in here in the same crisis all the time? Uh, Maybe there's a word for you. Are, Are you forgetting the lessons of the past? Look at what the Bible says. Exodus 17, verse five, the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. This means like, go be my representative out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff. Everyone say the staff. This staff is super important in the Bible and in this story. What this staff represents is not just a stick. It's called the rod of God or the staff of God all of the time. 
This same staff is the one that showed up for Moses at the burning bush. If you're familiar with the story, Moses is kind of freaking out and says like, who should I say sent me? We talked about this. God says, Yahweh. Moses is still freaked out. And God says, here, see that staff, throw it on the ground. And the staff turns to a snake. And then God says, pick it up again. And he picks it up and the staff is made into a stick again. Then Moses uses that staff to hit the Nile and it turns to blood. He uses that staff and raises it up at the Red Sea and the sea splits. This is no ordinary staff because what it does is it represents the power and the presence of God. And anytime Moses held up the staff, it represented for them That's God's power. That's God's presence. And he is with us. So he says, take the same staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. If anybody remembers last week, we talked about Horeb. Another name for that is Sinai. If you remember, we talked about the fact that some of us have been living in a wilderness season in our life. And God promises Moses what? Go to Egypt, go get the Israelites, and you will come back to this mountain, and we will worship in the midst of your wilderness. That's exactly what's happening in the story. What God promised Moses in Exodus 3 is coming to fulfillment because God brought Israel back to the place of Moses' wilderness. But Moses knew how to lead in that wilderness because he spent time there. Moses knew what was going to need to happen in the midst of that wilderness and the provision that he saw. And so I think for Moses, there isn't a crisis. He's just being obedient. So he says this, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel so that no one could question what happened. There's witnesses. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Here's another translation. Are you even there? Israel got into crisis, a crisis that they had already experienced. And their question is, are you even here? They had a short-term faith crisis, and for a lot of us, we do. But here's what we see. Same problem, same provision. Same problem, water, same provision. I wonder if Israel has gotten used to the provision of God. I mean, it just rained manna in the morning. There's, There's quail and manna in the morning, and all of a sudden, that's not incredible anymore. I don't know about you, but like if I woke up and there was free groceries on my door every day, that's pretty incredible, especially now. I went and bought milk the other day. I was like, how much is this? I was like, you guys got like a credit application? uh, This is crazy. And so I get to this place and they get to this place where all of a sudden, They forget about the provision of God and they forget about the lesson of the past. God brought us water before. No one in the story, at least that we know of, goes, guys, remember two weeks ago? That nasty, bitter water and Moses threw a stick in it and now it's good. Why are we freaking out, guys? Why are you freaking out, guys? 
What, what problem are we facing in our life right now that we cannot believe in the power and the presence of God? Remember the staff went with Moses. What did that represent? God is with us. And he's going to do something in this time of need. And so are you used to the provision of God? And the reason you're in a new crisis is because you've forgotten all of the times that God has shown up. Is it a new crisis today because you forgot about last time? Same staff, same provision. The question I have to ask all of us now is, are you seeing the provision of God or are you just getting used to it? Are you believing and seeing his presence in your life? Are you trusting in his power in this moment? Why would the moment that you and I face right now, this isn't to guilt you, it's to give you faith. It's to take the scale off your eyes and for you to see what God is doing and reveal to you the power and presence of God. The same God who is with you then is with you now and he'll be before you later. And so what happens for Israel is, is the water comes. And so many of us believe that when we are weakest is when we have the most need. No, the moment that you and I are weakest is when we have everything that we need. Because when you have everything that you need in life, you don't need God. Maybe God is allowing need in your life to keep your reliance on him. And isn't that gracious and kind? Isn't that a good thing that God would not say, like, I didn't give all my kids all the money they're going to need for their whole life and be like, here you guys go. Hope you don't have any need. Bye. But everyone wants us like God to treat us like, here you go. Here's everything you need. Bye. The reality is, is we are meant to be in relationship with God. So we have the same problem, but we have the same provision. But when you are weakest, the attack comes. When you are weakest, the attack comes. And you are not weakest when you have the most need. Because when you have the most need and you realize you can't meet that need, you have faith and you ask God to do something incredible. When you have everything that you need, that's when things get weak. That's when you're open for attack. That's when there's the problems that can come in. Right? There's a famous rap song and they said a line in there. And I think it's really true. More money, more problems. (laughs) The line is not more money, no problems. The problem is money. The problem isn't, it's us, us, our hearts. They wander and stray from the Lord, just like Israel. This wasn't a money problem for them. This was a provision problem and a faith problem for them. And so what happens is, is when you're at your weakest, the attack comes. Look at what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. I don't have time to start to tell you all about this backstory of the Amalekites. But these people came from the family of God by the provision of God. And and it, it goes all the way back to Jacob and Esau. Okay, so this is a line of heritage of people, but the way that the Bible describes them is these are the most evil people in the world right now. Why? Because they knew God and they know God and they chose to ignore God. That's the thing. They come from a faith family. They come from a faith heritage. And yet the Bible indicates that the Amalekites do not honor God. They know about him and they ignore him. And the attack comes when all of Israel's needs are met. When really they're the weakest. 
They needed water, they got water from a rock. They need food, it rains down from heaven. They need protection, it's there. They're literally living in a place called rest. And then the Amalekites come. The start of rest is, is at the beginning where you need it the most. And when you need rest the most is when you are the weakest. And let me tell you something. When you're tired and disoriented, but you're no longer in survival mode because all of your needs have been met, that is when the attack will come. And so what happens in the story is this is the very first time that God is going to reveal to Israel that there's another need that you have that I am going to provide. And it is protection and provision and victory over your enemies. All your physical needs are met. All of these things are taken care of. Now I'm going to make sure that the enemy cannot come in. Exodus chapter 17, verses 9 to 13. And look at what the Bible says. Moses said to Joshua, very first time Joshua shows up by name in the Bible. Joshua, if you know anything about the story of Israel, Exodus, Moses doesn't make it into the promised land. He never gets to inherit the promised land. But Joshua will be the one in charge taking the people to the promised land. So we're introduced to Joshua for the very first time here in the story. And he says this to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God. There it is again. What does that staff represent? God's presence, God's power, God's provision, God's protection. I don't know about you, but if someone said, you go take the guys, I'm going to go stand on a hill. I'd be like, this doesn't seem like a winning strategy. (laughs) Here's what happens. He says, I'm going to go stand on top of this hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. That might be a lesson for us in a different message about make sure you've got good people with you when you're doing things for God. Verse 11, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Here's what I want to tell you. Our enemies are overcome when we are under God's presence. That's exactly what the story represents. Moses went to a high place and held up the staff of God, which represents his power, his provision, his ability, his protection. And he holds it over the nation of Israel who's in a fight and says this, when we are under his presence, we have victory. When we are under his presence, We have everything that we need. When we are under his presence, Joshua didn't win the war. God won the war. God won the battle. And that idea of holding your hands up is one of reliance and respect and honor towards God. So what happens? This incredible story of how God saves the people of God through his mere presence. Notice that it didn't rain fire. Notice there wasn't an earthquake. Notice that there wasn't some animals that came and devoured them. There was nothing but a staff held in the air. And in the middle of chaos, in the middle of life going incredibly terribly, 
Israel could always look up on the hill and see, okay, Moses is holding the staff. The presence of God is with us. It's just like in Berlin. When you get lost and you're in a battle and you're in chaos, you need to find the landmark to get you home. You need to find the place where you remember where you came from. Because I am sure that there were moments in that battle, there were moments in that fight where they freaked out and the Amalekites are winning. And it's like, man, you brought us here to to not only die of thirst, but now we got to fight all these enemies. Like what is going on? And then it was turn your gaze towards Moses. See the staff in the air. The victory is ours. Keep fighting. Keep going. You're in his presence and you're in his power. And so now we are introduced to a brand new name of God in the Bible. This incredible victory is won. And the Bible says this. Then the Lord God said to Moses, write this on a scroll. This is really interesting. First time, there's a lot of firsts in this passage, that God tells them to write something down. Why would we write something down? Because you can always go back to it, can't you? Anybody in here started to forget the provision of the past because you didn't write it down? It might be a reminder that the reason you journal isn't just to get your feelings out, it's to tame your feelings later. Write it down. He says to Moses, write it down. I think Moses just dictated it and someone else wrote it down, but write this down on a scroll as something to be remembered in what? And make sure Joshua hears it. Why would Joshua need to hear it? Who's going to go fight all of the enemies in the promised land? Joshua. Joshua is going to fight all of these new enemies in the future. And so God tells Moses, hey, make sure Joshua hears this because this is going to have to be the rod and the staff of God and the presence of God. And Joshua is going to need to remember when he faces these big enemies like giants in the land, what? He needs the presence of the Lord. And we see in the books to come that Joshua doesn't always fight in the presence of the Lord, and he does whatever he wants sometimes, and it doesn't go well. So remember that not only what we did here, what God did here is not just for Moses, it's for you too, Joshua. He says this, because I will, be, I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. What does God mean there? He means, look, the greatest enemies of me, those who know me but ignore me, they're going to be dealt with eventually. And they're your greatest enemy, and we're going to deal with them. Moses built an altar and called it, here's the name of God, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. He said, because hands were lifted up against, not like in rebellion, but literally like touching the throne of God for power and provision, it's like he was lifting his hand towards a banner, a flag, It shows my reliance on you, my need for you. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. What does that mean? Those who are at war against the people of God, God is at war against them. The things that are at war against you in your life, God is at war against them. The question that we all have is, are you standing under the banner of something else or are you standing under the banner of God, Jehovah Nissi? This is what this means. Jehovah Nisi is the one who's lifted up on high like the staff of God or like the Berlin Tower and you look at it and then you know where you are. 
You look at it, and under that, we, I told you, if you guys get lost, go back here because everything that you need, your protection, your provision, everything that you need is under that tower. That's exactly what the Bible is saying to you and I here. Jehovah Nisi, are you standing under the banner of the Lord? Because under the banner of the Lord, which represents his presence, his power, his protection, everything about who he is stands under that. So Moses goes, we shouldn't be in crisis anymore because the banner of the Lord is always before us. We only need to look upon it. We only need to find it. We only need to rest under it. He's painting this picture for you and I of the need for us to rely on God because when we look at the banner of the Lord, which is the name of the Lord, we remember where God is, who God is, what God can do and where we can run to. And so my question for us right now, like maybe you're in chaos, maybe your, 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 your life is falling apart, your marriage is hard, your health is bad, your, your finances are bad, like you're worried about world wars and you're worried about all of these things and your kids are misbehaving and, and or like you just broke up with that girlfriend or whatever. And you're like in chaos. And, you know, every person, young person that I know that breaks up with a girlfriend or boyfriend that they've been together for like three weeks, they always go this, I'm going to die alone now. <laughs> My whole life is shot, right? No, like you're looking at the wrong banner. You thought your life was to be fought under your relationship. Wrong. Oh, man, uh, like the world war, China and Russia, and oh, I'm so, you're fighting under the wrong banner. America's not the banner. God is the banner. So whatever happens, we are okay. What banner are you looking towards in your life right now? God says you look towards any other one. When the hands go down, the banner goes down. They're looking towards something else. When the hand goes up, the presence goes up, and they look towards that. God says the victory in your life comes from looking at the banner of the Lord and resting under that presence. The moment that you put your hands down, what it signifies is you're doing this alone in your own strength, and you will be overwhelmed. And it's not like this in our life. There's no co-banners. It's not like Jesus and my job, my spouse, my kids, my everything else. In fact, those banners need to fall under his. Jehovah Nisi, the God who is able, the God who can. But there's a greater image in the Bible of the banner of the Lord. Remember, it's about being lifted up on a piece of wood, raised up. And when we fall under the presence of that, now we have everything we need. There's a new banner. It's a greater banner. It's a, it's a provision that can never be taken away. His name is Jesus Christ. And he was raised up in the hard place. He was raised up and lifted up high so that you and I can see him. Because for you and I, as we are hopeless in our life, the only place we can look to for true salvation is to the cross. And once we are saved, we always look back to it. Our protection, our power, our ability, everything that we need was hung on that cross. And it was lifted high. And you and I can always look towards the cross as our banner. Because that's where God 
determined and set apart and demolish sin and death. Your biggest enemies. You want to know the Amalekites in your life? It's sin and death. And God destroyed it all that day. And he rose again from a grave to show you who he was. And now the Bible says that Jesus Christ is what? Seated at the right hand of the Father, high up in heaven where he has full authority. He is the banner. He is the victory. And you're like, well, I don't know if the Bible says that. Good. I'm glad you asked. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of the Messiah to come, the prophecy found in the book of Isaiah says this, in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. He will set up a banner for the nations. Isaiah 11. You go, well, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Glad you asked. Paul, in the book of Romans, makes very clear for us what goes on in Romans 15, 12. This is what he says. And Jesus himself said, I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He's referring to banner language. If I am lifted up, which he is, I am Jehovah Nisi. That's what he's saying And I want you guys, maybe like the analogy, because you haven't been to Berlin and the tower doesn't work. So let me put it this way. Maybe you're familiar with an embassy, though. And you know what's crazy is you can be on, like, foreign soil. And the moment you step into an embassy, it's like your home. All the privileges, all the power, all, all, all the protection, all of these things that are needed when things get really bad, is right there on that soil. And so we always tell when we take people overseas, okay, if you get lost, go back to the tower. If there's a bomb in the city, go to the embassy. The only time we're not gonna go to the embassy is if the embassy blows up, okay? That's the only time we're not going there. But it's something like, not like I'm lost, it's bad, like it's real bad. We go to the embassy, why? Because we're safe, we're protected, and we have everything that we have at home. For you and I, the Lord is our banner and it is his presence and his protection on this earth because the Bible says that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, this is foreign land. This is foreign soil for us because this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And so when we run to the banner of Jesus, we will have everything that we need.